Hello and welcome to the Garrett Ashley Mullet Show. I am your host, Garrett Ashley Mullet, and today I'd like to talk about freedom of speech and uh, restrictions and constraints on it. Uh, it came out last week, I believe it was, that uh, several social media outlets, including LinkedIn, apparently, uh, deplatformed, which I didn't know that was a word. Uh, but they basically banned Alex Jones of uh, InfoWars. I think they might have banned InfoWars as well. And uh, it's a little bit disturbing, uh, especially it it all seemed to kind of happen at once. I don't know if one of them bit the bullet and did it, and then the rest were like, oh, well, if they're going to do it, then, you know, we can get away with it too, or... I don't know if they were talking behind the scenes and discussing it. And then they said, okay, well, let's do this, you know, all at the same time. I don't know. In any event, it happened. And uh, kind of a big deal. Alex Jones has quite a following. Uh, he's very um, well-known. Very familiar face, very familiar name. Uh, kind of uh, eccentric guy, to put it mildly. Uh, he says some things that are really outrageous, but you know what? In this day and age, uh, who who doesn't <laughs> say things that are outrageous, right? Uh, you know, it, it's interesting to note that the mainstream media could say something that's absolutely blatantly false, uh, inflammatory, uh, dishonest, misleading, manipulative. But, you know, as long as... They say it calmly, in measured tones, like this is NPR. And we're going to tell you a lie, but we're going to say it in a very rational-sounding way and present it. You know, that it's almost worse than somebody who looks unhinged while they're saying things that maybe are not always 100% correct. Uh, not not uh, defending Alex Jones. He's not really my cup of tea. Um, I wouldn't let him watch my kids. I would, you know, I don't don't really go to him for for news and information. And and what news and information I have heard comes from him, I take with a grain of salt. I'll, I'm not going to dismiss it out of hand. There might be some truth to it, but uh, I'm disturbed at him being silenced. Um, I think that's not correct. That is not right. Um, you know, where does the line get drawn? Is is he way over the line? Is he dancing on it? Is he? I don't know. Um, you know, it, today he gets banned, and then tomorrow it's uh, you and me for whatever is outrageous tomorrow, or whatever the next generation thinks is outrageous. Uh, one could say it is not a right to use social media. That is not a right. Um, but that really gets murky, ladies and gentlemen, when the world uh, is going more and more to what they call the Internet of Things. Where everything is going to be connected. Everything is going to be networked. And if you are not on the network in some form or fashion, then you are not connected to the world at all. Um, you know, if let's say all of my production data 
for a well site for, for an oil and gas well, because that's the industry I work in. All my production data is being transmitted wirelessly to a satellite someplace or a radio tower. And then I'm supposed to, every morning, access that on my phone or on my laptop. And this is the case. This is, this is, the, this is what I do in the oil and gas industry is I get that set up so that some operator someplace can see his production data first thing in the morning, know what his wells are doing, get an alarm if they're shutting down, if they have a, an emergency, get an alarm when he needs to go out there and, and take a look at them, whatever. Now, that's his job is to go take care of those wells. And if his company says, hey, you know what, the, the nature of uh, technology, we're going to do as much of this with um, sensors and networks as we possibly can to maximize uh, our utilization of what personnel we have. Uh, you know, what happens if all of a sudden, you know, this pumper, if he can't use a phone, he can't use a laptop or he can't connect to the network, he can't get his numbers. And all of a sudden, he's dead in the water or else he's going to have to go out there and do it the old-fashioned way, get his uh, data the old-fashioned way. And he's going to be at a competitive disadvantage. And, you know, unless there is some kind of a solution and a fix for that, eventually he's going to be uh, eclipsed, replaced by somebody who can get on the network. And uh, and that's just that's one uh, anecdotal... Uh, piece of evidence for why this is concerning when you get into political commentary, having a voice in the political process, when you get into uh, commerce, uh, when you get into uh, just even keeping touch with family and friends, uh, having some kind of a uh, social life. Um, the more and more the, our economy, our, our jobs, our uh, livelihoods, and uh, our loved ones are on the network, the more damaging it is for a platform to say, we're going to punish you for views that we don't like by stripping you of access to our platform. And I, you know, it, okay, maybe there's examples where that's warranted. Say, you have uh, ISIS on Facebook, and they're trying to recruit little jihadis. Uh, it just came out that there was a, a training camp for school shooters uh, discovered in New Mexico. There were uh, a couple of uh, Muslim men and a couple of Muslim women who had 11 children there that they were giving weapons training to, and they were living in third world conditions out in the middle of the desert. Yeah, they were trying to gear him up to, to wage jihad against the great Satan of uh, America. And, uh, you know, if, if a social media platform says, hey, we reserve the right to ban you, not allow you to use Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever. Uh, okay, that makes sense. I, I get that. Uh, now, if you have somebody who is publishing content critical of... Uh, the rise of radical Islam in the West and uh, the complicity of Western politicians in many cases. Somebody who's, who's posting and exposing that, very critical of that. Uh, 
you know, they shouldn't be thrown in the same category as somebody who's going to be uh, trying to carry out acts of terrorist violence. Uh, and then you say, well, we're going to, we're going to reduce your reach because we're going to call you Islamophobic or whatever, you know, whatever the flavor of the month is that, that people are, uh, you know, social justice warriors campaigning and crusading against. Uh, you know, Alex Jones, uh, I think, I think he puts on a little bit of a show and anybody that's in radio and TV, as long as Alex Jones has been, uh, very practiced. Um, you know, even when he's uh, speaking off the cuff and just, um, uh, improvising. He has made a decision to improvise and to speak off the cuff, and he knows that he's got an audience for that, and there are people that really like it when he just goes into a tantrum mode and just, you know, rah, you know, like he's losing his mind, which he might be. I don't know. <laughs> um, but it's a, it's a show, right? Um, you know, do I have to... Uh, be a fan of Alex Jones in order to be disturbed by him getting removed from uh, social media? No, no more than uh, I had to be a, a fan of Roseanne Barr to object to her losing her show. Um, you know, Tim Allen, I really liked Last Man Standing. I thought that was a really great show. I enjoyed watching it. And I was uh, frustrated when uh, I think it was ABC canceled his show despite popularity despite great ratings uh you know roseanne i have no interest in watching her show even after her getting canceled and getting taken off the air i have no interest in watching her show just to see what it was like i heard there were people that really liked it well you know bully for them i'm not somebody that really cares for roseanne Barr. Uh, i find her kind of obnoxious actually i just don't just never had any appeal for me um but I don't have to like her show, and I don't have to like her in order to uh, object to somebody being censored unfairly uh, or ridiculously or, or double standards. You know, that gal, uh, Michelle Wolf, you know, she made the crazy remarks uh, about Sarah Huckabee Sanders at, uh, I think it was the White House. Uh, correspondence dinner and just I mean just awful just being I think ugly and, and mean and uh, you know she didn't get uh, punished by the left and by the, the powers that be in media that are are uh, you know decidedly Democrat not Republican at all uh, she didn't get punished I think she got rewarded I don't know if she had a show before that, but she certainly did after. And even just getting to keep her show, uh, it was a luxury that uh, she would not have enjoyed if she had been a Republican mocking a Democrat uh, press secretary, the way that Michelle Wolf mocked Sarah Huckabee Sanders in front of everybody, with, with Sanders sitting right there. Um, I don't know. I just... 
then maybe maybe somebody else say, well, you're, you just need to have thicker skin, and that's that's what a roast is. That's just you know, okay, you know what? I'm not saying ban Michelle Wolf, right? I don't like I I really don't care for the speech that she was engaging in. I thought it was rude and uncouth, and even if you're if you're going to say somebody should be free to speak that way, um, I think it's just hypocritical to the hilt uh, that the left was okay with that but Roseanne Barr lost her show for making some maybe intemperate remarks about uh, Valerie Jarrett you know looking like a cross between uh, Planet of the Apes and what was the other I don't remember anyway she made a remark that was uh, deemed racist I think most of why it was deemed racist is because Valerie Jarrett was an Obama-era uh, administration official, and, uh, and Roseanne, Roseanne Barr has been pro-Trump. I think ABC was just looking for an excuse, anything. Just give me an excuse. Make my day, you know. And that was it. And so then they pulled the trigger, and then they felt like that was, I think, making up for uh, not having had any good grounds for terminating uh, Tim Allen at Last Man Standing. There was such public outrage about that. ABC was like, we need to redo, and this time, wait for something really outrageous, and then we're going we're gonna to tie our termination of the contract to that, and that'll vindicate us for the last time around when we were just totally being partisan, and we had zero excuse. It, it's hypocrisy, is what it is. It's it's total hypocrisy. Now, I realize, uh, you know, in the case of Alex Jones, we're we're talking about uh, not a comedian, not an entertainer. Well, uh, some people, I guess, find him entertaining. I I don't. I think he's. Um, I don't know. If he showed up at my kid's birthday party, I would probably ask him to leave. I think. Just the way he it just flies into a rage and just spitting mad and and I, you know, I have had my moments where I get upset about something. Um but I, that what does it the scriptures say? I uh, you know, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Your default mode should not be just being angry all the time. I spoke in my last episode about uh, Pastor Jordan Hall here in Sydney, Montana. Uh, he was in the headlines here back in 2014. I was just reading a Christianity Today headline uh, yesterday, actually. I was talking with my dad about that situation, a situation with... Somebody I know who goes to his church or has been going to his church. And uh yeah, here he here he had uh really just gone after the fifteen year old son of Ergun Kaner, uh pastor, uh wrote several theology books, one of which was a, a textbook for one of my Bible classes at uh, Liberty University online. Um, but but Jordan Hall, you know, bullied this kid online uh, to the point that he ended up committed, committing suicide. And 
you know, and, and there's, there's an article in Christianity Today, 2014. Jordan Hall apologizes, says he was wrong. Um, but what did he do? He, he went right back to that way of operating, that way of acting and treating people. And anybody that has tried to uh, hold him accountable for his apology four years ago, anybody that was an elder or a deacon at that church in the interim has one by one and their families been uh, quote unquote church disciplined, uh, quote unquote Matthew 18 uh, out of fellowship. And, uh, you know, what is it that James says? Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Uh, you know, it's one thing to say, I am righteously indignant at uh, injustice. You know, and I am, and I am. I Somebody tells me a, a story about uh, you know, an honest man being defrauded. Uh, an injustice, uh, you know, uh, abortion, um, lies, malice, deceit, slander, you know, that makes me angry. Uh, but I trust that uh, God knows what he's saying when he tells us to put that away, put the anger away. It's one thing to be angry, have a flash of it, and that's a natural response and reaction. That doesn't mean it's healthy or appropriate to just hold on to that and have that be your uh, default mode for addressing everything. Right. You know, and, and if Satan, if he can mess things up by going and causing the events that are making you angry, those injustices, if they are real injustices and not just perceived injustices, not just your rushing to judgment, if Satan can cause trouble and try to disrupt God's plan and destroy his creation by causing those things, why would you think uh, he would stop short of trying to use your anger to cause still more destruction or to interfere with uh, uh, an appropriate response to such things? Uh, the short answer is that uh, Satan would use your anger too in a heartbeat. And uh, he will, and he, I'm sure he has. And so it's important for us, uh, you know, through the Spirit, according to Galatians 5, uh, among the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. And when we're angry, guess what uh, is less likely? It's less likely that we're going to be self-controlled. Your emotions can uh, really play havoc on your judgment. Uh, your body's fight-or-flight response can really play havoc on uh, your discretion. You know, the things that you perceive differently because you're in survival mode, if you allow yourself to just get super, super excited and worked up about things, um, yeah, you, you need to be careful. But, you know, even in the case of Jordan Hall... Uh, so also with uh, with Alex Jones, you know, I don't personally like or care for the way that they speak to people, the way that they handle issues, the way that they, the way that they handle the truth. Even where I might agree with their final verdict, I object to their way of communicating it, their way of treating people. 
and I can object to and I can argue against and I believe I should have every right to and I practice and exercise my right to object to somebody saying things or doing things in a way that's not appropriate. But does that mean that uh, I should support and endorse and push for and advocate for or even stand for uh, such men being banned to where they are no longer allowed to have a voice? Ooh, not so fast. Not so fast. You know, there's this this brilliant scene in Charlton Heston's version of uh, Ben-Hur. I don't know when it was made. Back in the 60s, maybe? Uh brilliant movie it was it came on two vhs tapes when i was a kid my, my grandmother sent us a box of vhs tapes when i was when i was a kid and uh, in one of those boxes uh was was ben Hur. and i remember watching that several times growing up one of my absolute favorite movies i have the soundtrack on my phone and when i put my music on shuffle it comes up every now and then you know a different track from from that movie but anyway there's a scene in the beginning of the movie where these two Roman uh, generals or uh, officers, whatever, what have you, who are in Judea, this conquered Jewish uh, province. They're discussing. One of them is leaving. He's going to go back to Rome. The other one's just coming in. He's fresh from Rome, and he's been reading reports and He's been appraised of the situation, what he's walking into. They're discussing the unrest and uh, the unruly nature of the, the Jewish people and how they're always kind of on the verge of uh, revolt. And there's, you know, there's the lacks of violence and defiance. And uh, the, the guy that's leaving, he's become just kind of resigned that, you know, there's nothing that can be done about it. It's just, it is the way it is. And, you know, good luck. Let's see you do better there, Masala. Uh, you know, at one point he asks kind of exasperatedly, you know, how do you, how do you fight an idea? You, you can kill a man, you can arrest him, you can beat him up, you can threaten him, you can do all those things, but how do you fight an idea? And, uh, they end up getting interrupted. Somebody runs, you know, rushes in and they're, you know, I think, uh, I think it's uh, Judah is being announced. Judah been her who was a childhood friend of Masala, this, this Roman. And he's come to visit his old friend, Masala, uh, who hasn't, he hasn't seen for years and years and years. And uh, so they get interrupted by that. It's this really dramatic scene. He says he's a prince. Well, then treat him like one. You know, it's, uh, it's great. Go watch it if you've never seen it. It's, you'll thank me later. It's fantastic. Um, but Masala, he then turns before he walks out to go, meet uh, Judah, Ben-Hur. He turns to this other Roman officer. He says, you asked me how to fight an idea. And I'll tell you. With another idea. Right? And that that is uh, what is critical to remember here. If you don't like Alex Jones, you don't like what he has to say, you don't like the way he communicates himself, guess what? Solution isn't to silence Alex Jones. The solution is to, if he has bad ideas, to fight those ideas with a better idea. Engage in public discourse. That's the solution, right? With Come up with a better idea. 
you know, you exercise some critical thinking skills there. Um, same also with Jordan Hall. You know, the solution is not to silence him, to muzzle him. Um, I, I personally uh, think that those who are in authority over him or have submitted themselves to his authority should reevaluate whether he has authority if he's going to treat people the way that he does and act the way that he does and react to uh, rebuke and calls for accountability the way that he does. But that's, I'm neither an authority over him nor in authority under him uh, or under his authority rather. I'm neither of those. I'm off to the side. Um, but, uh, you know, if he's got a bad idea, if he's communicating bad ideas, my reaction is not that he should be silenced. Certainly not by me, and I would not endorse Facebook, Twitter, etc., banning him or whatever. My solution is I should have a better idea. I'm going to communicate a better idea, a better expression of the Christian faith in word and in deed, right? Uh, and that's that's the way it should be, folks. It's, it's really super disturbing, very dangerous. Not just disturbing, it's dangerous uh, that America is flirting with socialism. You have this young gal from New York who uh, won this big upset victory. Apparently, like none of the candidates that she endorsed for the midterms got anywhere so far. So that's encouraging. Like, hopefully that means it's only those crazy New, New Yorkers that are uh, flirting with socialism because they're so upset about Donald Trump. Uh, California, too, I'm sure. But, you know, full-on socialism. Uh, take a look at what that looks like. You know, the, the state, the centralized government, is taking it upon itself and being empowered more or less by the people to assume responsibility for the needs of society, the needs of the collective, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one in a socialist uh, paradigm. And so if you have five oranges and these four guys over here are hungry, it doesn't matter that five of those oranges, five out of five oranges are yours. The, the state has the right to take your oranges and distribute them evenly among these four guys over there. Never mind that you planted an orange tree. You've been cultivating it. You've been watering it. You've been fertilizing. You've been pruning it. You've been taking care of it for all these years. And now this is the fruit of your labor. Doesn't matter if these four guys over here are just bums who figured they could rest on uh, electing a socialist state that uh, would take your oranges and give them to them. No, no, no. That's, that's fine. Uh doesn't matter. The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one. So we're going to take your oranges and give them to these guys over here. No, 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 no. You don't get paid for them. Nope. Those are the collective's oranges now. And if you object to it, if you say, I object, I am not going to have my oranges taken. I am not going to suffer quietly. I am not going to take this sitting down. I'm going to da 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 In this day and age, the way that you advocate for uh, your rights and uh, change is with social media. If you, if you live in the modern world, you use social media to influence people, win friends and, and influence people. 
And so then if, if the socialist state, if Cortez is, is taking your oranges and distributing them, and you're starting to object, you're saying, no, 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 those are my oranges. No, 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 no. Don't worry. Why, why, where are you going with those? You need to pay me for those. You're stealing right now. Uh, you know, Facebook is in the bag for Cortez. If Twitter and Instagram and LinkedIn, whoever else, they've all decided that socialism is the way they're going to go. They just cut your feed. Guess what? Now you're silent. Now you are going to take the sitting down, whether you want to or not. And if that's not enough, then, uh, you know, where do they go next after they've cut your, your feed? If you still find ways to get around and get your message out there, what next? You know, and that's the, that is the uh, ugly, ugly question that uh, only photos that come with a parental guidance, uh, viewer discretion advised uh, warning label can help you to appreciate. Because socialism, Marxism, communism, whatever you want to call it, has killed, what, 100 million people in the... 20th century. It's a lot. A lot of people have died because the needs of the many supposedly outweighed the needs of the few or the one or the millions. You know, one guy having his oranges taken and given to four others turns into one million people who are critical of their government uh, being rounded up and worked to death in awful conditions to support 4 million that are willing to go along to get along and to quietly, passively accept uh, tyranny in exchange for free stuff. But we have no way of arguing against that and articulating a better idea if the powers that be say, you know what, we're just going to cut your feed. You don't have a voice in this anymore. And maybe we'll stop short of cutting your feed, but maybe we'll just limit your reach. Uh, and, and Facebook and all these others have told us flat out, that's what they do. They limit the reach of those who uh, say things that are uh, out of favor. Okay, that's, how, that's their answer to the question that's asked at the beginning of Ben-Hur. How do you fight an idea? Well, not with another idea. You just drown out. And, uh, and hide and, and sweep under the rug those that are communicating the idea that you want to fight. That's the answer. Censorship. I am not in favor of that, even for the socialists. I don't think it's a great idea that we would just silence the socialists and say, oh, you're not allowed to talk anymore because your ideas are dangerous. Really? If the ideas are so wrong... How about this? How about you let the socialist communicate what they will and then let us argue with them? Just don't tie my hands. That's all I'm asking. I'm not asking you to silence the socialist. I'm just asking you to not tie my hands and, and muzzle me when I'm going to try and debate the socialist. But if you're afraid of a debate, and if you're going to silence me for cyberbullying or whatever when I try to debate... The socialist. Uh, okay, well, I think you've uh, <laughs> you've shown your hand there.
you know, it's not, it's not a simple matter. Uh, there was some poll that I recently, and by recently, I mean, you know, past several months, I saw where uh, every so often this group, and I don't remember the name of the group, but they go out and they poll uh, likely voters to ask if they would be in favor of suppressing offensive speech. So, you know, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, whatever, uh, they might ask, would you be in favor of uh, somebody advocating for um, race war being free to come into your neighborhood and speak? Or do you would you suppose that they should be arrested and then prevented from being allowed to speak publicly? And uh, would you be in favor of, on the other hand, somebody coming into your neighborhood and advocating and arguing that people of different races should be allowed to get married? You know, different things like that, right? Uh, questions of that nature. Would you be for somebody coming into your neighborhood and, and advocating for theocracy? Would you be in favor of somebody coming into your neighborhood and, uh, and, and arguing that everybody that is religious should be exempted, you know, that uh, uh, excluded from, from a political office? You know, different things that might offend somebody. Uh, and then to, to see what percentage of people would be for that person being free to speak. And then, you know, you keep asking the same question of so many people every year for you know, decades. And then uh, that gave them a little bit of a graph of, you know, uh, what kinds of speech are being frowned on over time. What are the trends? And how many people are really universally for freedom of speech? Uh, you know, if I am if I am against Roseanne Barr having her show taken away, but I am for Cal Colin Kaepernick being fired for protesting the national anthem am i really for free speech that's a great question uh now for the record on that point i don't care for uh roseanne Barr all that much don't think she should have lost her show uh i don't care for the national anthem protests but i don't think I'm not advocating that those guys should be silenced uh, or that they should be fired. Um, now, I reserve the right to not watch a football game, and uh, I reserve the right. I have, I have no. Uh, I'm not uh, apologetic or embarrassed to admit I'm less likely, even less than I already was. I wasn't really watching much football anyway. I'm even less likely than I was already to watch a football game with uh, not only the players taking knees for national anthems, trying to get all political, but the political commentators, you know, how politicized I heard uh, ESPN got about it. Uh, I have every right to not listen. I don't feel like listening. I'm not going to give you my attention and my time and my money. I've got other things I'm going to pay attention to. If I'm going to watch a sport, maybe I'll watch a different sport. That's fine. But that's freedom, right? That's that is uh, letting the free market decide. That's allowing each person the liberty uh, to follow their conscience, and that's what America was founded on, people. That is what America 
is about. That's you, you could not have America with all of its innovation, with all of its wealth, with all of its power, uh, without each person being free to follow the dictates of their conscience insofar as those dictates did not cause them to uh, murder and abuse others. And and be careful in this day and age, you say abuse. I say abuse, and I mean like physically, like I'm going to come over and punch you in the face, right? That would be abusive. Uh, in this day and age, abuse could be a microaggression because we become so sissified. Oh, oh, watch out. Oh, I just said sissified. Is that a, a homophobic slur? Oh, brother, give me a break. You know, that that's what that is what abuse might mean today. If I say something rude to a protected minority group, because the Democrats have made uh, every kind of minority into a protected group and tried to convince, as Saul Alinsky wrote in Rules for Radicals, what, 30, 40 years ago, uh, you know, he, he said, you know, target minority groups, convince them that they have a problem that uh, only you can solve. Divide and conquer. Convince them that there is this polarization that they didn't even know existed. And not only does it exist, but it is urgent. It is absolutely critical. Their whole self-worth, their dignity in the eyes of the world is on the line if they don't empower you to fix this problem for them. They're being uh, you know, abused, oppressed, whatever. Uh, you know, the left, in order to achieve that uh, strategy or to, to pursue it, uh, they've had to invent just an endless variety of uh, offenses to get minority groups worked up about and you, you can't even satirize it anymore there's just there's nothing that is beyond the pale everything is offensive to somebody and at a certain point you just have to say you know what get over it you know just get over it like, stop being so easily offended that's one of the the uh descriptors in paul's you know famous passage you know love in uh, 1 Corinthians, it says love is not easily offended. It keeps no records of, record of wrongs. It's not easily offended. It's not rude either, right? So if I'm loving, I'm not going to just say things that are just hurtful. Like, hey, you're fat and ugly and stupid. You know, well, that's not very loving. Not helpful. You know, but if I say like, hey, you've got some mustard on your shirt, you don't flip out and fly into a rage. How dare you insult me? Arr, you know, that was a microaggression against condiments or whatever. You know, like, chill, dude. Like, you've got mustard on your shirt. I'm trying to help. Like, change your shirt, maybe. Or don't, I guess, if you like the look of mustard on your shirt, then just go with it. Okay, cool, whatever. I was <laughs> Sue me. Oh, no, 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 I shouldn't say that. No, th these days, they might. They might just sue you. And, uh, and argue for you to lose your job and be silenced, be banned on all these platforms. It's ridiculous. You know, I recently uh, encountered somebody who, you know, I started, started talking with him and I uh, thought we were very much on the same page spiritually. And, uh, you know, as we got to uh, interacting more, uh, became apparent. It's like, well, you know, I'm not entirely sure. I don't know if it's stress. I don't know what it is. 
I'm not entirely sure you're in your right mind. And I didn't say that to him. Of course, I just was, you know, I was thinking it. And I said it privately to my wife. Not entirely sure you're in your right mind. And uh, consulted a, a couple of pastors that I, I know. One is my pastor. Another one is a friend of mine. And uh, asked them for advice. Uh, contacted a, a Christian therapist that I know and asked him for advice. But um, it's like, man, what do you what do you do when somebody is just absolutely uh, unhinged, right? And and they're not uh, not only are they not saying things that are true, but you can't even reason with them. And I I don't know, right? Okay, I, I'm going to give that away right now. I I honestly don't know, uh, but. What I do know is I really don't like that feeling when people are, you just can't even reason with them. You can't talk to them. You can't explain basic truth to them because they're not listening. They're not there. They're not understanding words and phrases and arguments and thinking. Uh, they're only understanding what's going on in their own head. And you're only getting 30% of that. And the other 70% that you're not getting is is emotions and stress and things misfiring. And I don't like that. I really don't. It makes me feel powerless and helpless. And, uh, you know, when I read some of these stories about uh, public outrage, you know, say, let's say, let's say uh, that lion that the dentist went over to Africa and shot, what was that guy? What was the, the, the lion's name? It had a name. It was like some famous lion. I don't know if it, I don't even know if it was famous before it got shot. It certainly was after. And all of a sudden, people are calling it by name Cedric or something, you know. Uh, I said, oh, poor, that poor lion. He was just like family to me, even though I only found out that he existed like 15 seconds ago. You know, you have people weeping and gnashing their teeth over a dentist going over there and shooting this lion. And he did so, as far as I know, as uh, at least if I if I understood the story right, he did so legally, with a permit. But uh, the internet went nuts. Uh, animal rights people went nuts. Um, people that were raised on uh, Bambi and other and the Lion King, they all went nuts. Who've never uh, killed anything bigger than a fly. And don't know where their food comes from, they went crazy, and uh, started you know making death threats against against that dentist and saying he should you know he should be the one who you know is fed to some lions or shot or whatever. It's just insane. But you read things like that, and that's not an isolated incident. It's like, it's like every week there's some new thing that everybody's outraged about, or or enough people are anyway, and. It, it's like talking to a crazy person, especially as the mob gets whipped into a frenzy and they start reinforcing uh, the outrage amongst one another. You know, person A over here, you know, he's upset. And then person B over there, he's virtue signaling. He's trying to compete with person A to, see, to show he can be even more outraged than person A was. I'm, oh, you're upset? I am outraged, you know. And then person C, well, he's got to show something even bigger still. And at a certain point, the words uh, are inadequate to describe sufficient outrage to be more outraged than the previous guy and those around you. And the virtue signaling 
It, it takes on a life and a mind of its own uh, to the point that only violence, only violent action against persons and property uh, is a suitable way to one-up your competitors. And, and because we've drifted away from there being any objective universal standard of right and wrong, there's nothing with which to counter the accusations that fly of somebody being monstrous. You know, oh, you hurt my feelings? You're the next Hitler. You know, hit, that's how Hitler started too. He hurt my feelings. You know, what? What? You know. Uh, anyway. It, it's like talking with a crazy person, talking with people that are on whatever bandwagon of the month uh, people are outraged in, uh, on, whatever. I don't like it. It makes me feel powerless. Uh, and I've had a number of exchanges with uh, friends and family that they had decided to jump on this or that bandwagon. And I bet you if you if you ask them six months or a year later, if they were still worked up about that, uh, they would say no. Because everybody around them had stopped being worked up about it. And once the, the, the furor died down, they realized they really didn't have a whole lot of substance for their original objections and, and so confident uh, proclamations. It was mostly just emotion. Right? It was uh, you know, uh, a tale told by an idiot full of sound and fury and signifying nothing. But it, I think we need to get better at recognizing that on the front end uh, before we burn out and then can't be upset or concerned by anything. The fact is that there are things that are outrageous. There are things that are wrong and evil. But we shouldn't determine what those things are based on our emotions, based on getting upset and angry. We should determine those things by looking to objective universal truth. And as a Christian, I believe that objective standard uh, of right and wrong, of wisdom and folly, it comes from the scriptures, God's word. Who would know better what is right and wrong be able to tell us reliably and have zero reason for lying to us about it? Who but God? And, uh, you know, you, you can get into, uh, you know, uh, nitpicking about different things that God says in the Bible that you object to. I recently had a, uh, an honest conversation, and I appreciate honest conversations um, just about more than anything. But an honest conversation with a coworker of mine here recently, we were talking about uh, some of his doubts, I guess, that he's been struggling with with regards to Christianity. Um, he, he expressed that he, he doesn't see why a good God would send a flood that would destroy all life on planet Earth. Like in Noah's days, is that true? Is it literally true that God did that? Uh, if so, is God literally good, and and is He holy? He would kill men, women, and children. Isn't that monstrous? Isn't is that right? Um, yeah. You, know, you fast forward to uh, you know the children of Israel 
taking the promised land and God tells them to put every living thing to the sword in certain places and among certain people groups. They weren't even supposed to leave the livestock alive. They were supposed to kill everything and everybody. Am I going to shy away from mentioning that here with just a couple minutes left to this episode? Because it's difficult? Because it's sticky? Because it's... No, I'm not. Actually, why don't you go read those passages and study them and think about them and ask God for wisdom and really, really consider it. Wrestle with those. You know, better to wrestle with them sooner rather than later than to bury your head in the sand and pretend that they don't exist until an atheist or an agnostic or somebody who's really hostile to God, they're really bitter about something bad happening in their life, uh, throws it at you unexpectedly. Better wrestle with it on the front end so that you're prepared and so that you understand the truth, right? Like if that's in there and if that is, if that is what God uh, did and commanded to be done, which I believe it is, then what does it say about God? What does that say about the nature of good and evil? What does that say about justice? What does this, you know, and, and are our perceptions, our feelings about such things, about good and evil, are they in keeping with reality? If they're not, well, then maybe we should change. Otherwise, I think we risk being the unhinged person or being a part of some unhinged mob that gets whipped into a frenzy about every little thing. Or we risk what may be worse, depending on the circumstances, and that is becoming cold and apathetic. Uh, you know, it says in, in one place, and this is a passage I've been thinking about a lot here lately. It says, in the last days that the love of men will grow cold. And that they'll be lovers of themselves rather than lovers of God or lovers of the good. I think that's uh, pretty concerning when you think about uh, just is it sustainable for people to be just constantly getting outraged about everything? Well, what happens when they stop? You know, do we all become the the, the person that's driving by an alleyway? They see somebody. A man getting mugged or a woman being raped, and they just keep on driving. Well, that's not my problem. It sucks to be them. Not my problem. I'm not going to get intervened. And they don't bat an eye. They don't lose uh, an ounce of sleep. They don't. They go right along their business, carry on. You know, do we become that if we just make it our goal to not feel outraged about anything? You know, we shouldn't short circuit the process by trying to adopt an apathetic view, a nihilistic worldview, uh, an amoral worldview, just so that nothing can touch us, nothing can upset us or disturb us. Far better would be to say, no, there is such a thing as right and wrong. We can know it. We should know it. We should bear it in our mind and in our decision making. But in responding to what is evil, we should not ourselves become part of the problem. 
you know, in fighting monsters, we must be make sure we are not becoming monsters. Uh, Rowan Atkinson, uh, Mr. Bean, if you will. Uh, he uh, gave a speech here recently. I was just it came up in my Facebook news feed. I assume he gave the speech recently. It could have been any time, but I just saw it recently. Anyway, he's speaking about uh, the need for offensive speech, right? You know, the, the solution to uh, inappropriate speech is not censorship. The, the solution to offensive speech is not censorship. The solution is more speech and being able to reason with having a public discourse. Having a better idea. How do you fight an idea with a better idea? So with that, I close this episode. Uh, it seems like I'm, I'm shooting for an hour, give or take 15 minutes. That's about my... I apologize if that's disruptive to have some episodes be 47 minutes and some be an hour and eight minutes or whatever. But um, it is just it just is what it is. So... Uh, if you've listened this far, thank you for listening. If you have any thoughts to add, I'd love to hear them. You can reach me on uh, any of my social media accounts. Uh, you can also email me at garrettmullet at gmail.com, G-A-R-R-E-T-T-M-U-L-L-E-T at gmail.com. And uh, drop me a line because I'd love to get your thoughts, even if they disagree with mine. I'm not going to censor you. I might even re reference... Uh, whatever it is you tell me in my next episode, if you have some thoughts to add, that are, if you have a better idea, please share it. Then I can become wiser as well. You know, it says in the Proverbs, if you rebuke a fuel, uh, re rebuke a fool, not a fuel, rebuke a fool, and he will, uh, what does it say? Oh, let me find it here. I can search it. I've got six minutes at least. Uh, Proverbs 9.8 in the English Standard Version says, Do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. Verse 9 says, instruct a wise man and he will be wiser still. Teach a rise, righteous man and he will increase his learning. The fear of Yahweh is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For through wisdom your days will be multiplied and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, you are wise to your own advantage. But if you scoff, you alone will bear the consequences. With that, I leave you. Thank you for listening, and God bless.